7. <clears throat> we're going to begin a series this morning that we're going to um, entitle Strengthening and Enriching Your Marriage in 2024. Now, if you've been with us for any length of time, that you know that this is not something I do. In the years that we've been here, I think I've talked about marriage twice. Twice and anyway. Um, I, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but I'll just do it the Ames way and just stumble into it. Um, I want... I, I want you to know something. I'm not picking on anybody. Amen. I'm not uh, talking about anybody that's here. You know, when you uh, talk about marriage, you're going to you're bound to deal with divorce because uh, if you don't if you don't take care of some of those things. Uh, to preclude divorce, then you're going to have a problem. So we want to nail some of those things down. And I'm not pick. you know, I know uh, um, people are really tender after a divorce. And uh, they're hurting. And uh, in the years we've been here, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a, setting where the word divorce was just, you heard people talk about it in whispers. I mean, it was just like the unpardonable sin. It's not, but that's the way they treated it. And I think sometimes pastors treated it like that to put pressure on people so they wouldn't divorce. And, uh, you know, anyway, the, in, in the years we've been here, um, there have been a few times that we've had to tell people, you, you just need to divorce, divorce him. We've, you know, and um, I mean, just all the ingredients that we were, we were presented with, we told them, you know, this is, this is, uh, they have violated the covenant of marriage and they don't want to be, do right. So, you know, for the sake of your children and you. I mean, there's just times that it, it's... The other party doesn't want, want, to, want to do right. So, and I know people say, well, there's two sides. Mmm, sometimes. I can't say all the time, but a lot of times, yeah, there are. Anyway, let's move on. This is getting deep up here. Uh, Lydia and I have been married in, in a few months. It'll be 47 years. And this is, this is considerably longer than the national average. Uh, in, in a generation of uh, divided homes, broken families, you know, it's, it is our desire as shepherds, as, as spiritual parents, so to speak, that, that we see a different story in this place. We, we want to uh, 
pull weeds before they can get growing. If you understand that. Broken marriages bring so much pain. You know, when it, Jesus said, uh, what God has joined together, let no man... When, yes, when God brings two people together, uh, there's, a, there's a bond. Uh, when a divorce comes, it's not a nice knife slit. It's a rip. And people are left in pain. It, it just brings... Uh, broken marriages just bring much pain to a lot of people. And, it, and it's the pain... This, this is a, a pain that we don't want you to experience. I don't know how else to say it. You know, God, uh, God created the heavens and the earth, and it, he made a place for Adam. He created Adam, and Adam is, is uh, there in the presence of God, naming, naming the ox and the giraffe and the this and the that, and, you know, and... Uh, and God saw, you know, there's, there's something lacking here. These animals and this man are just not, he needs, he needs something else. And he created a woman. Notice it, it said that he would come in the, in the cool of the evening and fellowship with, with man. And we have no idea how long that went on before Eve showed up. And then he would come and fellowship with them. The, rela the relationship with God came before marriage, before he created Eve. Eve was the second in the spouse, let's put it that way, was the second in priorities in God's... Him, Adam and, Adam and God... Then Eve came along, and it was the two of them and God. That's, that's your priority. Your relationship with the Lord first, and your spouse second. I've had people say, but what about my job? Well, what about it? It's on down the, down the line. Your children come next. You know, and, and there, there are people that are type A personalities and they put so much into their work that they neglect their family. It is true. Let me get off of this. So anyway, uh, marriage was created by God to bring bring greater joy to the husband and wife. It's not, uh, marriage is not something that brings greater joy to just the man. <sighs> All right. You should see the, see the faces that I'm getting. When, when, now listen, listen here. Marriage, when, when marriage is cultivated, it brings the best to this life, best of this life to you. You, and see, that's, that's what I want you to see. 
you've got to cult, not just the husband, the husband and wife together have to work on cultivating the marriage. A joyous marriage is not an accident. There's no, it's, it's not, you're not going to stumble into this. There's, there, are, there are simple but important ingredients that destroy Satan's attempts to break apart what God has joined together, and we need to, we need to learn those. You may, you may have come from a, a, a lineage consisting of broken marriages, of, of, of divorces, of unhappy happy marriages, but it doesn't have to, have to be passed on. It can be stopped with you. I'm, I'm, I have, I'm, I'm working on this to, to be, be able to word it in such a way that people get this. Uh, when we say you have to walk by the Word, you have to build your marriage on the Word. That's, that's not a mental thing. It's something you have to do. The problem comes up, how are you going to respond? You know, what are you going to do? What does the Word tell you to do? See, the Word has to take priority over your emotions. I was, I was in the USO uh, club in Thailand on my day off, and, and uh, you could go in there and get a, a pizza, and you could get a banana split, and, uh, you know, get away from some of, this, some of the stuff that was going on. And I was back in the, uh, uh, the area, what was it, pizza, I think it was. And there was a young guy sitting there. Uh, he was up at the, at the counter, and he was having problems with uh, an order. And this little girl, she comes to the window, comes up to the, you know, yeah, the window to wait on the guy. And he's, he's about yay big, skin and bones, you know, just a little thin thing. And, and I thought, the way he responded to her, I thought, you're a real man, aren't you? He, he reached back and kind of leaned into the window to slap this girl. And I thought, you better not... You know, because I, I didn't want to have to take the guy into custody. And it's my day off. Leave me alone. Come on, you know. And I thought, boy, this guy, if, if whoever marries him has got a problem from day one. You know, little guy, and, he, and she's littler than him, and he's going to reach in there and slap her. I thought, you're a real man, aren't you? That's the way you're going to handle it? So... Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. <clears throat> now, this is going to be part of the foundation that we're going to build off of. It says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, okay, the, saying, the sayings of Jesus are going to be uh, part of the ingredient here. Here's these sayings of mine and and 
and it's not just hearing them, but he comes on and he goes, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You know, the, the, the floods, the, all this stuff that comes and beats, these are the storms of life. These are the problems that we deal with, the issues that come up that cause problems in the home, stress, strife, so on and so forth. Um, but you know, a lot of these things that come up and are causing problems in marriages, uh, they're demonic in its essence. Something that is so precious in God's line, His list of priorities, uh, I mean, look at what He did. He built the universe, created the, the earth, fixed it all up. Everything man, and, man and, and woman would ever need, He provided for. I mean, He put a lot into this project. He bounced the devil and his, his angels out of heaven. And, and now Satan is uh, he's jealous. He's still angry at God. And he wants to get back at God. And so if I can, if I can attack that which is precious in God's sight, I can hurt him. You understand? And so there's things that come up. You know, I've, I've learned this, that the devil knows just where to poke you, just the right place to get you mad, to get you jealous, to get you whatever. So you have to be on your guard. Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. You know, we had been married, I don't know how long, and, and we, I would have an argument. She doesn't want to play. So I would have an argument with her. And after it was over, I would leave, leave the house a lot of times. Or I'd go into, back into the back of my bedroom, close the door, and just, what? No, not pout. I would, I would go back there and just cry out to the Lord, Lord, you know, I didn't want to respond that way. I, 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 wanted, I wanted different than what my parents, what I saw at home. And I'd go back to the Lord and cry out to Him, and I'm just... You don't want those things, but they come out unless you deal with it. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a fool or a foolish man which built his house upon sand. The rains descended, the problems of life came, the wind blew, 
and beat upon that house, and it fell. And I like one translation. I don't remember which one it is. And the fall of the house was great. In other words, it was totally destroyed. The marriage was totally destroyed. The Bible tells us that, that, that you have a choice to build your house, your life, your marriage, everything on a rock. The rock of the word. You can, you can choose the life of a fool and build your house upon the shifting sands and that's the result you'll get. According to Psychology Today and the American Psychology Psychological Association, the divorce rate has more than doubled across the world. We're not just talking about the states. Across the world, four decades uh, has, has doubled across the world in, in the nearly four decades between 1970 and 2008. In 1970, the average was 2.6 divorces for every uh, 1,000 people. That's, that was 1970. In 2008, the number had jumped to 5.5 for every 1,000 people. That's 1,000 1, people. That's how many divorces. <clears throat> In 2019... Now, this is, this is just the, in the states. The United States ranked third out of all the countries measured with nearly 50% divorce rate. Now, I, I, had, I had been told this divorce rate was uh, one out of two or three uh, by a certain individual when we got married, and um, I don't think it was that high that early. But anyway, now get this: many Christians say I'm against marriage, uh, against divorce, and if you talk to divorce people, they're against divorce. Something that I've seen. Uh, people want to get a divorce and you know we've talked to them and this and that and, and I, I've told Lydia I said you know I don't think they realize what they're losing they'll come to their senses like the, the prodigal son he came to himself and he realized what he had lost people a lot of times will get a divorce you know, real quick, and they don't realize what they're losing until after it's done and it's too late. Divorce hurts everybody involved. And that's, that's one of the bad things about it. It not only hurts the couple... It can, if there's children, it hurts them, and it will hurt the next generation. Parents, 
Yeah, it hurts them too. The in-laws. God has, has given us instructions in his word so that you don't have to suffer the, the casualties of a divorce. We can build our house in such a way on the rock and, and it won't. If you'll stick with the word, it'll work. It will work. Here in Matthew 7, uh, one of the things, it, it takes uh, faith to go and possess everything that God has given you. You need to get into this to find out what is yours. It also takes, takes uh, instructions from the Word to find out what, what belongs to you. Now, um, believe it or not, you know, I say this and I, I, I still see that and I thought, you know, you just, I don't know. Believe it or not, there's, there are pe many people entering into marriage thinking that it's just a, it's just a man and a woman occupying the, the, the same house as a means of convenience or survival. I was watching a, a, I just happened to come into this movie on TV, and this, this man and a woman were both struggling. You know, they, they were just starting in life, and uh, their jobs didn't pay sufficient, you know, and they lived in a high, high, uh, high economy setting, and they got to talking. And they said, you know, if we live, both uh, were married and we lived in the same house, we could beat the taxes, you know, because we're, we're married. So that gives you an, a diff different tax rate. And they, they kept talking about it. So finally they got married. They don't love each other. They're just married. And you know how that turned out. You know, there's a thing today that society is teaching is friends with benefits. You do understand what the benefits are. Uh, there's, no, there's no sacredness to sex between a husband and a wife anymore. It's a benefit. You know, there's, there's, uh, I, I, I saw something one day in Mark. Very last verse in Mark. They went out preaching everywhere, and the Lord confirming the word with signs following. He doesn't, con he doesn't confirm society's opinions and ideas. He confirms his word. Let's see, where are we? Back. Okay. Uh, so, God's given us instructions in his word so that, that we don't have to suffer, be, uh, become a part of the casualty of divorce. You can build your house on a rock. Here in Mark, uh, Matthew, 
7. He gives us uh, directions to build on something specific. I, I grew up with a, a guy next door to us, uh, Ollie, Ollie Myers. Uh, he was he was a few years older than me. I was in high school, and he was he was in college there in Fort Worth, and uh, he got married. And uh, I met Frankie. He asked me one day to uh, go over and sit with her. He had a class that he had to go to. They were selling a car, and somebody called, and uh, he didn't want her there by herself when these people come to buy the car. <clears throat> so I talked to her a little bit, and, and uh, they had, uh, I don't remember how long they had been married. I don't, maybe, it was, maybe it was a year, and uh, they got divorced. And one day I was talking with Ollie, and, and he said uh, the problem was her mother would tell her things and feed her all kinds of information, and she, the, I guess the mother-in-law didn't care for him, and the mother-in-law turned Frankie's thinking away from him. We don't build our relationship uh, on, on the opinions of relatives. I don't know where I'm going to put this in this series, but I'll put it here right now. Draw a circle on your paper. One big circle. Close the ends. It's all one circle. Draw two dots in the middle of that circle. I don't get to do... Uh, marital counseling anymore. My wife took that away from me. I was a little too rough on rough on one of them. Yeah, you did. <laughs> anyway, the circle is your marriage. Notice the circle has no openings. The two dots are you and your spouse. And I tell people this, and and I'm serious when I say it. And I've had some of them kind of, you know, they look at me like, yeah. You don't let anybody in that circle. You don't let relatives, you don't let friends inside that circle to give you information unless you, unless you ask. You know, there were things that I would, I would call my dad and I'd ask him. I was asking him uh, about how to do something or finances or you know, but as far as input into our marriage, not unless I ask, do, are they allowed there? Because too often outsiders get in and they can uh, poison. Anyway, there you have it. Don't forget that. Write that in the front of your Bible. Um, Still, you know, God didn't create marriage to be a negative thing. It was created to bring life and cause homes to flourish. Now, still, there's too many children that grow up uh, 
in homes without nurture. Now, let me give you the de definition of nurture. The Bible says over in Ephesians 5, uh, don't provoke your children to anger, but raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture means it's, it has quite a, a bunch of stuff, so I kind of compacted it. Dis disciplinary correction. Now, for some of you, disciplinary correction means a belt. And that's not what it always means. It can, it can be pushed to that point, but you're giving correction. Children are a blank chalkboard marker board, whatever you want to call it today. And they need input from you. And that's why we want a home built on the Word because they need that. It means, it means training, instruction. It means the whole training and education of children, which, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals Edu education by uh, education or by implication, chastening, chastisement. I I, I uh, worked with a guy when I was in Thailand. My wife gets kind of aggravated at me when I do this, but I'm going to do it just for the sake of the picture. Okay, you get what when I when I describe it like this, you'll understand. We were, we were out on a particular post, two of us, uh, and the, we, were, we were just a little ways from the, from the trip, trip wire. You know, people trying, if anybody tries to get on base, they would have to go through that, and it would set off explosions so you know there's somebody out there. So anyway, we're, we're standing there in the dark, and we're talking. Now, this guy's about this tall, and he is big. He's muscular. A black kid from from uh, the south, and we got to talking about I don't know how we got to talking about this, but we talk, got to talking about uh, the way we were raised. And he would talk. He got to talking about his his mama would get a belt and she would just whip whoop him. And I thought, and, and you know what he said? He said he had friends that never got a whipping. And they wound up in jail. He said, my mama gave me a whipping, whooping, <laughs> a whooping. And he said, that kept me out of a lot of trouble. But you see, it, when, when we're talking about this here, and I, I got to telling him about my, my whoopings, and we're out there comparing notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there are times that, that uh, you've told your children what the rules are and they have gone and violated it deliberately. Well, that's one thing. It means uh, to cultivate the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. 
Now, I'm going to give you an example. When we went to Tulsa, we were going to Ramah, <clears throat> and uh, uh, I don't remember who it was that told us. I think there was, we went to, we, we were, we went to Grace Fellowship, which was Bob Yandian's church, and uh, we went in and talked to him about we wanted to work in the church. <clears throat> now, I was when when we talked about working in the church, I thought cleaning toilets, mopping floors, you know, that kind of a thing. Whatever they needed, Whatever they needed and. Uh, yeah, helps. And so they needed a teacher in the three and four year old classroom. And I thought, ooh, that wasn't what I was looking for. So I said, okay. And um, we started with, uh, I think we had 11, 11 or 12. It was a very, very small room. And in between us, there was a sliding uh, wooden door and on the other side of this was another couple that had I think we got the threes and then they had the fours is that it anyway we had three and fours and uh, uh, we would slide this thing and, and the room was crowded very crowded we had chairs all the way around and uh, I would sit in, sit in a chair with Henry. And this is the way I would sit with Henry. He was, I don't know what the psychologists would say or the counselors would, how they would name him, but he was so hyper. I literally had to hold him like this. Because, I mean, he's just wiggling and he's just, Lydia's teaching she asked a question, and nobody says anything except Henry. He hit it right on the head every time. In all of his wiggling and all his squirming, he was listening. So uh, the, the class grew. The church was growing. Now, this is just this is the, the second service. We went to the first service, the early service. Then we stayed for the second service, and we had all the kids. And um, this, this guy that I, I talked to about working, working there, doing that in the helps, he said, if you will uh, work, work, with the, you know, work in the church and be faithful, by the time you get ready to leave, you'll have a place to go. That's what I was looking for. And so we, by, the, by the second year, we had 150-plus children Four and five. Just four and five from that, that service. We were upstairs. <clears throat> now, um, there, was a, there was a door. The door at the other end uh, was closed and locked. And we were down here at this end of the class. And the kids would, she would talk to the parents and I'd talk to the kids as they would come in. I'd kind of grab him and give him a hug, and you know, and uh, I said, "Give me, give me, give me some sugar." You know, Yankees don't understand the sugar. <laughs> the kids would look at me like, "What? Sugar? What are you? What are you talking about?" 
you know, and I would just hug them and, you know, and let them go. And uh, if they got, got into the class, sometimes they'd get by me, but most of the time I'd grab them. And I'd just <laughs> hug them. And uh, we, had, we had several parents that came and, and asked, what have you done to my children? And I thought, oops, what have I, what have I done? And they say, they have changed so much, they're not the same. They're more loving. You know, parents are struggling, and sometimes they have to work more than one job, and they're just running, meeting themselves, going and coming, and they're not giving the nurture to the children that they need. And so I was just... the. The, the class was the highlight of my week. I like to go in and seeing, seeing my kids, especially Rodney. I'd grab Rodney and, and just look, at, look in his eyes. He had the most gorgeous eyes. Huh? Green. Oh, my goodness. He was, he was a good-looking kid. Anyway, um, you know, Letting, letting the children see the parents being loving to each other is important, is an important part of nurturing. You know, psychologists may not say that, but I'm telling you, when the children see that, they are secure. They, they have a sense of security because mama and daddy love each other. They're loving to each other. They're not fighting all the time. Daddy's not slapping mama around. Still, there, there are too many children growing up in a, in a home without, without this aspect of nurturing. And they're tossed to and fro from house to house trying to grow up uh, under the guidance of two people that can hardly stand each other. Then those children grow up and they start marriages and the families and, and their, own, their own family and they repeat. Growing up, I remember uh, I, I hit a certain point and I, I said to myself, I will not have a marriage with fighting all the time. Not, no, not going to do it. In 2018, uh, a study in 2018 by Heritage Foundation, <clears throat> this is the name of a, this is the title of an article. Three Common Traits of School Shooters found that the majority of school shooters in the last 20 years came from broken homes, often without fathers, and amid divorce and domestic violence. Now, I, I won't continue with any more of that. I, I just couldn't stomach it. Just because someone's gone through these things, gone through a, a parents that have gone through a divorce, doesn't mean that child will grow up and do these same things. Okay, there's some, some kids that are just not glued together real good to begin with, and they just 
they do all kinds of things. It does, however, show that uh, children of, of broken marriages often produce children less capable of building nurturing environments for their own children. Can you understand how important it is for them to see mom and dad kiss? I don't mean, you know, there's kissing and then there's kissing. You know, dad, my dad, I can remember my dad coming home. And in the kitchen, we had a, uh, it went like this into a corner. And there was windows on both sides so you could see out into the yard and on the street, <clears throat> there was a, a double sink there. And uh, my mother would be standing there washing dishes, and Dad would come in. And he would walk up behind her and give her a hug and give her a slap on the rear. That's all he got. I never saw kissing. I thought, I'm not having that. I want kissing in my house. You, and some of you, some of you are making fun. You think that's funny, but it's not. It's a, it's an important part for your children to see. Anyway, um, you know, your kids don't have to grow up the way you did. You can break this cycle. Now listen, you can break this cycle through the power of God, understanding of the words, and the words of your mouth. You're going to need all three of them. Let me, let me give you an example. Have you ever said something to your children, and when you said it, like that, there you go, like that, you remembered hearing your parents say the same thing. Now, was it something good, something of unbelief, something that would be less than nurturing? When you remember that, stop and question yourself. And if it wasn't a something good, don't ever repeat it again. Because little ears are listening. You, know, you, you, can, you can tell me this thing about, well, I teach my children, but do you live it? You can teach all you want, but they learn by observation. Those battles that you fought growing up with resentment, anger, depression, fear, and confusion, and whatever else is in this mix have been, have been there. Uh, whatever may have been there doesn't have to be passed on to your children. And I've heard people say, well, you know, this is the way I grew up, and I hated it. This is the results of what I've done. But I'm not going to have that in my family. My, my children are not going to. You know, if you're saying my children are not going to, not going to, not going to, what picture are you putting up in front of your? 
If you're putting up the one my children are not going to, then that's, one, that's the one that you're going to present. But if you're putting up the word in front of you constantly, that's what you'll be presenting. <coughs> doctors, you know, bless their hearts, doctors. When I say doctors, I'm just talking about the shrinks, the psychologists, psychiatrists, the whatever. Counsel, psych, social workers, you know, they can, they can uh, tell you things like, well, you know, this, this is in their DNA. This is uh, something that's just automatically passed on to your children. They'll, you can expect them to be like that. That's not in the DNA. That's in your flesh that you're passing that same thing on. Do not... Take, do not believe that stuff. You can establish your marriage on the Word of God or you, and you can build it on the rock. You say, well, I don't know much about the Word. Do you read? Get in there and get in the Word. You say, well, I don't have time. Take it to the toilet with you when you go in there to take care of business. <laughs> Instead of your phone, exactly, or your iPad, take your Bible with, it, with you and spend a few minutes in there while you're waiting. <laughs> Maybe it's not a good example, but you know what I'm talking about. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. God created. You establish your marriage on, on God's word and you're building it on the rock. Not Sports Illustrated. Not hot rod, whatever. I didn't hear get much response out of that, but it's still the truth. Don't take the Reader's Digest to the bathroom with you. Take your Bible. It'll be more profitable to you. God created marriage to be a flourishing relationship where husband and wife combine their, listen, Combine their gifts and complement each other. You know, we came to the conclusion early in our marriage that, that we are supposed to operate as a team. This is my teammate right here. We work together. For a goal. And we build it on the word. That's what I say. Keep relatives, keep neighbors, keep friends out of that circle. Just let, let Jesus in there. Ecclesiastes 4, verse uh, 9 and 10. This is the New Living Translation. <clears throat> two people are better than one. My wife tells me that quite often. 
And I think, you know, she's right. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. Others talk about they, 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 do, they get better results on a job. I like this one better. They can help each other succeed. In other words, at whatever. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. When you fall and you don't have anybody to help you, that's bad. You know, we're, we are... Um, we're wanting to see your marriages this year come up. Come up higher. Come up to a better place. You say, well, we're at a good place. Darling, it can get better. There's always more and there's always gooder. You say, well, I don't know. Trust me. Take my word for it. There's gooder. Much better. God intends for you to have the better. There's a number of, of secrets to a lasting marriage, a better marriage, and those, these are the things that we're wanting to touch on. So you're saying, that's it? Yeah, we're just getting started. So I'll stand. Now, if you don't want, if you don't want to come up and, and increase your marriage to a place of better, you know. Anyway, let me just stop. That's what we're going to be talking about. Amen. 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 This, the, the principles, I think, I, don't know, I, I didn't know he was going to start these. This is, I think, like the very first time you've done a series. On a series? This. Did I say a series? Yeah, you said that you were starting a series. <laughs> but the principles will apply to a single person, too. Yeah, we're going to, see, we're going to, this is something we're going to deal, deal with. Um, I won't ask how many have done this, but I think a lot of them. You know, I, I uh, was talking to Jonathan about what he needs to look for in a spouse. You want them to, you want them, uh, you want them to not just look for something good-looking and shapely. You want somebody that's solid, a believer, someone that, that puts the Lord before you. You know, that was, that was one of the things that got Lydia's attention. I, I, I was into the Word. Yep. Yeah, that's right. If you will... Marry somebody that puts God first, truly, then you'll be safe. Because if he needs correction, because he puts the Lord first, 
the Lord will get to him. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, we, this, that's just that's one. You know, you can talk about marriage, but marriage, uh, there's so much more that goes to that that um, you want it all to work together good. And, and training your children in what to look for in their spouse. Anyway, Father, we bless you this morning. We give glory to you for establishing that covenant relationship of marriage. We thank you that you are involved in this and we can look to you for help. Look to your word for answers. We thank you. And we come before you this morning giving praise to you for what you've done in our lives, for how you've worked in our spouses, and how you've, you've caused us to draw together. We thank you. And we give you glory, Father. We thank you for opening our, our understanding this week to see things that we need to see. Things that pastor's not even bringing up. But the Holy Spirit is. And we thank you, Father, right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Turn and greet somebody around you like they're your next-door neighbor. Amen.